The Lady Parts Doctor podcast is a health podcast focusing on issues that affect women and those assigned female at birth. However, it is for everyone. This is our safe place to talk about things that matter to you involving your spiritual, mental, and physical health. It's not medical advice, it's medical information. And as much as I love our conversations, I am not your OBGYN. This is not a patient-provider relationship, but I am your OBGYN friend. We talk, and I give you the evidence with a little of my personal and professional experience sprinkled in. So sit back, relax, grab your water, tea, coffee, wine. Wait, can I tell you that my husband made the best margaritas last night, which is why I, again, today, just have my water. (laughs) Sit back, relax, and let's go. Welcome back to the Lady Parts Doctor Podcast. Ooh, it feels so good to be able to say that to you and to be speaking with you because one, I love it when we chat and you know that I know that you know that we know that we always have great things to chat about, but also I've been kind of on an unofficial hiatus, really an unintended We do take a break for the summer and I haven't started the summer break yet because there are a couple more episodes that I want to cover. It's just taken me a little while to come with you for a topic, but this topic kind of just fell on me today. The FDA announced that they have approved the first over-the-counter birth control, oral contraceptive pill, shall I say. And so whenever there's a breaking topic, It's something that I want to get to right away because I know that you're thinking about it and that there is a lot of information. So I just want to be another evidence-based provider of information or provider of evidence-based information. So you have as much information as you need if you are making a decision about it as you're forming an opinion about it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. With that said, I have a number of new things that I'm working on. And so I'm just going to take a moment to mention them before I get into the show. As I continue my holistic health journey, I've really been exploring all of the different ways our health can be affected. We here at Lady Parts Doctor focus on physical, spiritual, and mental health. A big component of that is our mindset and how we think, what we think about we get so many negative messages and really none of them compared to the negative voices that we have in our head that tell us that whatever we're doing isn't a good idea, or maybe we don't want to do that, or maybe we're not worthy of this in so many words. And that negative messaging really has an effect on us. It doesn't empower us. It doesn't uplift us. And I'm trying to focus on the uplifting, the powerful, the messages that make us feel good. And I'm doing that through meditation and my research on meditation, but also on affirmations. One thing that I am going to do moving forward, because I always want you to leave this podcast, regardless of what we're talking about, 
feeling empowered and also feeling good, feeling uplifted as I am going to provide an affirmation for you. I will include at the end of the podcast an affirmation for you moving forward on every episode. It's something that you can say to yourself. You don't have to say it out loud, but they're also helpful to say in the mirror and just a message, just something for you to think about if you don't remember anything else that we talked about. So stay tuned to the end of this podcast and you'll get your affirmation. But now back to the topic at hand. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, approved the first ever over-the-counter daily oral contraceptive. And if you're confused when you hear that and you're thinking to yourself, wait, 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 wait. I thought the FDA approved birth control a long time ago. Allow me to provide some background information. The first oral contraceptive was approved by the FDA in 1960. Yes, I said 1960. That was 63 years ago. Within two years of approval, it was being used by approximately 1.2 million American women. And that just goes to show how much this product was needed. You know, these women, it was a new medication and they're like, I don't even know. I don't even need the, the extra time to figure this out. I just know that I need to not get pregnant. Okay. Does that sound familiar? Now, the medication that we commonly refer to as the pill now is used by over 100 million people. The first versions of the pill contain 100 to 175 micrograms of estrogen and 10 milligrams of progesterone. And you compare that, if you compare that to today's version, which today's versions, because there are a ton of different birth control, oral contraceptive pill combinations, they currently have 10 to 25 micrograms of ethanol estradiol, which is like a synthetic estrogen. And the highest dose in current medications is about 50 micrograms. That's 10 to 15 times the current dose, that 100, and 100 to 175 micrograms. And as you can imagine, the first pill users experienced a lot of side effects. Symptoms like nausea, bloating, weight gain, and depression were commonly reported and for many considered worth the sacrifice because they just wanted effective birth control. They knew what happens during pregnancy and they were like, I don't want that, I can deal with this. Does that also sound familiar? However, more serious side effects such as blood clots, strokes, and possible links to cancer were also reported. And over time, investigations were performed and the formulation has changed. And the pill has morphed into the low dose hormonal versions that we have today. All the while, the legal landscape regarding reproductive rights has also continued to change. And the question of whether or not we should be able to obtain oral contraceptives without a prescription has come up time and time again. A 2022 Kaiser Family Foundation survey found that more than three quarters, so 77% of the females aged 18 to 49 that they surveyed, favored making birth control pills available without a doctor's prescription if research shows that they are safe and effective. Well, that time has finally come. Let's break it down a little bit more. What is the O-pill? What is O-pill? It is a progestin-only pill, which contains 75 micrograms of norgestrel, which is a synthetic hormone drug that mimics the body's hormone, progesterone. So you might hear people say progesterone-only pill. It's progestin-only pill. 
of note, it is not new. This is not some new medication. It's not a new drug. It is not a new contraceptive. I repeat, this is not a new medication. Opil was first FDA approved in 1973 as a prescription only contraceptive, like every other oral contraceptive that we know of currently in the U.S. If the name Orvet sounds familiar to you, that's because it was the previous name for the medication. Progestins are also available through subdermal implants, so if you've heard of Nexplanon, through injections like Depo-Provera and IUDs, so uh, Mirena, Laletta, those are all progestin-containing contraceptives. How does Opil work? It works by preventing ovulation in approximately half of the user's cycles. It also thickens cervical mucus to prevent sperm from entering the uterus. It lowers the mid-cycle hormone levels, so follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, and luteinizing hormone, LH. And it also slows the movement of the egg through the fallopian tubes and changes the lining of the uterus. That's the lining of the uterus is called endometrium. And the constant low level of a progestin leads to endometrial thinning. It thins the lining of the uterus to make it less hospitable to or for a fertilized egg. So think of it like a bed, right? You can get a bed and you just have a mattress, but if you can help it, you don't really want to sleep on the mattress. That's not really comfortable. That's not really hospitable to you. So you want to make that bed. You want to add um, maybe a pillow topper to make the mattress a little softer. You want to add, ooh, let's add some Egyptian cotton and some nice fluffy pillows and a nice soft fluffy but weighted comforter to help you sleep a little. Like you just want to make it more comfortable. And that's typically what progesterone helps to do. But these constant low levels of progesterone or progestin, excuse me, lead it to be thin. And so nobody really wants to be laying on just a mattress if they can help it. And the egg doesn't want to implant or can't really implant in this thin endometrial lining. Now, it's important to note here that it only prevents pregnancy. It does not protect against sexually transmitted infections. And that is the case for every other oral contraceptive that we have in the United States. How is it used? Because it's a progestin-only pill, it needs to be taken at the exact same time every 24 hours. And I say every 24 hours and not every day because if you just say it needs to be taken at the same exact time every day, there is still the possibility that someone might say to themselves, oh, well, I take it every morning. Oh, well, I take it every night. And every morning could be anywhere from like 5 a.m. to 10 a.m., but that will not do. It needs to be taken every 24 hours because it only lasts that long. And if you take it late, you could make it less effective. If you take it three hours late or if you vomit or if you have diarrhea within four hours of taking it, you need a backup method. So that's like condoms or spermicide for the next 48 hours. And during that time, you should continue to take the pill on schedule. Well, how common is pregnancy? If you take it correctly, meaning you set an alarm or do whatever you need to do to take it every 24 hours on the dot, it's almost 100% effective. It's basically greater than 99% effective to be exact. 
But with actual use, because, hey, we're not perfect, with actual use, it's 92% effective, meaning 8 out of 100 women and people with uteruses will get pregnant during one year of use. What are the side effects? That's a very important question and often the deal breaker, right? Menstrual changes are one of the most common reported side effects with Opil, so much so that they were experienced by half of the 2,575 women that participated in the trials of Opil. The most common menstrual changes that they experienced were breakthrough bleeding, so that's just unexpected, unanticipated bleeding, and that occurred in about 48.6% of the women and people with uteruses, and then also spotting. That occurred in about 47.3%. Approximately 29% stopped having periods throughout the trials. So that wasn't after like the first cycle. After the first cycle was about 6%, but as they continue to use it, about 29%. With that said, if you're having persistent irregular bleeding, postcoital bleeding, that's bleeding after sex, or skipping more than two periods in a row, be sure to discuss your symptoms with your healthcare provider. So you would want to make sure that you don't have, that you're not pregnant or that it's not related to some other condition. Other side effects experienced with Opil included ovarian cysts, headaches, nausea, increased appetite, abdominal pain, bloating, cramping, basically like those premenstrual symptoms, fatigue, vaginal discharge, painful periods, nervousness, backache, breast discomfort, and acne. Now, after years of putting people on progestin-only pills, I have not heard a lot of those complaints from my patients. However, these are just some of the complaints listed by the people who participated in the trials, so they list them all. Who should not use Opil? And this is important to know. It's contraindicated if you have a known or suspected pregnancy. And why would you use it if you have a known or suspected pregnancy? Because you're already pregnant. It's also contraindicated if you have, have had, or might have a cancer of the breast or some other progestin-sensitive cancer or progesterone-sensitive cancer. Also, if you have undiagnosed abnormal uterine bleeding, there are other things that can cause abnormal uterine bleeding, and there are some harmful things like cancers. And so if you're already having these symptoms and you have not received a diagnosis, you don't know why you're having them, adding in a medication that can also cause those symptoms is just gonna muddle the picture. It's gonna be confusing. You don't wanna use O-Pill if you have undiagnosed abnormal bleeding. You don't wanna use it if you have any hypersensitivity or allergy to any component of the pill, or if you have benign or malignant liver tumors. You also don't wanna use O-Pill. I really should have talked about this first because I'm hype about this and you might be like, okay, but why did you record a podcast <laughs> within 24 hours? Why is this important? Why did I spend the day preparing a podcast so you and I could have a conversation about this? Well, access has long been a barrier for obtaining contraception for women and people assigned female at birth. We know that people are less willing to do things when they are inconvenient. That just is what it is. Having to contact your doctor or make an appointment before you can get a prescription can be a major inconvenience. And for a while, 
there was a practice of not writing prescriptions for people who weren't up to date with their physicals, uh, not writing prescriptions for contraception for people who weren't up to date with their physicals and waiting until they came in for their pap smears to refill them. Like, I remember that time and some of you may still be experiencing that. So, you know, you don't want to get pregnant because you're due for a pap smear and your doctor wouldn't give you a prescription for birth control. You just want to take back that control. And as the U.S. redefines our reproductive rights, a step towards more autonomy is a step in the right direction. I will always say that you know me. I hope this is the beginning of a pivot towards returning the rights to the people who are most affected by pregnancy and returning bodily autonomy. And whether you support abortion or not, you probably like to make decisions about your own body and healthcare. It's just a guess that I have. We've been talking long enough, so I think I know this about you. <laughs> when will this medication become available? The timeline and price will be determined by the manufacturer, which was HRA Pharma, which was recently acquired by Perigo Company. I went on their website to see if I could find any information about this. They did not provide any information about this on their website, nor was the news section updated. I thought to myself, oh, let me go check the news. And clearly there will be like a little news update about how they obtained FDA approval for you to be able to get this drug today, you know, without a prescription. And there was nothing. I think it had not been updated since like 2021. So I guess they're a little behind, <laughs> but you know, like I'm super excited about it. So I expected there to be something there. And again, this may be because this drug has been approved since 1973. So they're not sweating it, but this is a big deal for us. Okay. One common question that we get about any medication is, Will it affect your future fertility? No. Limited evidence shows that there is little to no delay in return fertility after stopping a pill. So that's an important thing. If you're like, ah, I need contraception and, but I might want to get pregnant soon. That shouldn't be an issue. So what other things should you know? It's been proven safe to use in women and people with uteruses as young as 15 years old and through menopause. It is not for women who have completed menopause. For those who breastfeed or chest feed, small amounts are passed into breast milk, but no negative effects have been demonstrated for babies. And there is a higher likelihood of ectopic pregnancies with progestin-only contraceptives. According to the FDA, up to 10% of pregnancies reported in clinical studies of progestin-only oral contraceptive users are extrauterine, meaning ectopic. And that's compared to about 2% of known pregnancies in the general population. So that's just also something that is good to know. But I wanna know what you think. Is Have you used a progestin-only pill in the past? Are you excited about this? Are you not? Was this helpful for you? Did it generate more questions for you? If so, let me know. You always know how to reach out to me. And even if you don't have a question or a comment, just connect. I love connecting because at some point you will, and there's so many places to find me. And I like being able to go kind of back and forth and keep a discussion going. Now, this is not medical advice, but I just like to connect with you in general. So you can find me 
you can find me on the blog. You can subscribe to the blog through the podcast, subscribe wherever you're listening, but you can also reach out to me on Instagram, send me a message, DM me if that's easy for you. I'm on Twitter. I'm on threads now. Maybe you're on threads now too. That's been interesting. And just let me know, even if you have stories or podcast topics and ideas, you can email me also at drhack, D-R-H-A-C-K at ladypartsdoctor.com. And if you're interested in booking, then you can also reach me through the website. I want to leave you with an affirmation. I am capable, confident, and deserving of all the good things coming my way. Till next time, be well. Mm -hmm.